Hang on. Hello, and you're very welcome to uh, to Friday Sport with myself, Aidan Raftery, and it's kindly sponsored by Best Drive here in Lanesborough Street in Roscommon. And now we have uh, we have rugby up next, and we have Cameron Brill from Buccaneers. Hello, Cameron. How are you? Hi, Aidan. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Thanks for taking the time out to to be with us. And I suppose we'll we'll start off the interview with um by say, just telling us a bit about yourself. And I know you're you're with Buccaneers at the moment. And uh, you were saying that um you've been involved in rugby up since you were five, right up up until now. So it's um what 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 um what attracted you to to Buccaneers, I suppose, and to rugby as opposed to other sports. Um, I used to live in Athlone. Um. And that was my local club. So when I joined that, um, I had just come off the, the Gaelic pitch and I I'd received some uh, big hits with that because they weren't training properly in our local Gaelic club. They used to mix under fives and under tens together. And uh, physically, I wasn't able for it. So we knew, um, me and my family knew that uh, they, they, prepare you, they prepare your body a lot better in rugby, you know, they don't start you off full contact straight away. You know, there's a few years of, of tag rugby and touch rugby. It just gets you prepared and then they gradually bring you physicality into it. And you never change from your age group. You know, you're always uh, sticking with people your own age and it's, it's it a lot better organised. That's it. As well as that, then there's there's all there's many different forms of uh, there's many different codes of rugby as well. Obviously, there's rugby union, rugby league, mini rugby, tag rugby, like you just said there, and not forgetting sevens rugby as well. As we know, the as we know, the Irish team, the Irish sevens team, took part in the Olympics as well. Didn't go kind of as as I suppose the Irish fans and and Irish players would have would have liked, uh, you know, given that it was an Irish team, but they they did well to. Um, to qualify for the Olympics, but uh, what was it that made you concentrate on on rugby union as opposed to the other codes? And uh, you know, I suppose that that there are certain kind of rules and certain type of things that that would attract that probably attracted you to that as well. Yeah, I think the longer seasons is what kind of attracted it to me, and um, you know, because most of the rugby played in clubs in Ireland is all rugby union. You know, you see the the sevens only came in there eight years ago, and but it's it's bringing stars. Like if you look at Hugo Keenan, um, an up and coming one, guarantee you'll see him in, in an Irish jersey again. Is Jordan Conroy from the sevens team, um, who's absolutely he's electric pace. You've seen him in Monaco qualifying for the Olympics. He beat France. He scored two uh, two tries uh, in the semi-finals, and then another try against France in the. Uh, the Olympic qualifiers, but he's absolutely electric. You see, even last year, 30 tries um, in 28 games. It's no one else is racking numbers like that, and I guarantee he'll be picked up for a provincial team. I um, I, I know he comes from Tullamore, but he went to the AIT uh, for college, and when he's there, he played with Buccaneers. Uh, I remember when I was younger, I went to watch a match, and it was Buccaneers against Nate, and he scored a hat trick. He was unbelievable. He was always the talk of the of the uh, the matches, you know. So you see, the rugby union is is helping other formats of the game to develop. There'd be no sevens without the rugby union, and um, I know that rugby league isn't really touched in Ireland, um, but I know across seas in England it is, and I'm sure in the next few years it'll start to pick up. Um, but it all stems from rugby union and building a culture. 
And do do you think that uh, I suppose really if rugby union was was over here in Ireland, do you, do you think that would that maybe rugby league would have uh, would have suited your skill sets, or would you have just went for rugby union anyway? I think that um, if you're passionate about rugby, I know rugby league and rugby union usually take two different seasons, um, but they kind of merge together towards the end of the rugby union season. Yeah. Um, but yeah, personally, I'd love to play it. Um, I know the rules are very different. Um, there's a lot more uh, lackluster on the, the high tackle rule. Um, but no doubt about it. Like to play that game, you have to be extremely fit, extremely physical, and very fast. And um, you look at the likes of Caelan Ponga playing over in uh, for the Newcastle Knights, uh, Knights over in Australia. And um, but he's he's looking to go back to uh, New Zealand to play for the All Blacks. So I believe if there was rugby league over here alongside rugby union, there'd be great culture between the two formats of the game because realistically they are two different sports and. I work myself with the IRFU Youth Council, but the IRFU wouldn't have any jurisdiction over that um, because it's Irish Rugby Football Union. You know, it's, uh, it's not anything to do with the league, unfortunately. But as I said, it all stems from building a culture um, in Rugby Union. And then when people get the taste for it, that's when they, uh, the other formats of the game start to come out. And when you were growing up, from the time you took it up at the age of we say under fives right up until today's, up until you up until your playing days today. What are the changes in the game that you may say that the rule the rule changes maybe tactically and I suppose really from the the way that uh, the the coaches um, approach to coaching and uh, the rules and tactics tactics and things like that. What are the changes that you have seen over the years from when you took it up at five years of age until now? Yeah, well. When we started playing competitively in the Connacht Cups and Connacht Leagues, um, I loved uh, playing very defensively. I loved tackling the physicality of, of it all. Um, so the change in height and the, uh, the form of tackling was a big change for me. But I think the biggest change was um, the changes around the rock area. I know, I, I think it was 2017, England were playing Italy in the second last game of the Six Nations. And Italy found a a loophole which allowed them to stay one metre around the ruck without actually contesting the ruck. Um, so I know the word rugby changed that rule very fast, but because the opponent or the opposition uh, team didn't um, interact with the ruck, we had to look at the ruck completely differently because you see those methods start to bleed, in, bleed into um, how our opponents are playing. So. So it was all tactical thinking, you know, we, we kind of had to take a step back and look and think how we're going to fix this, you know, whereas before that we just played heads up rugby. So um, those sort of changes are the ones we we, uh, we took a look at and that's what shaped us to this day. You know, we, we always take a step back and we always look, okay, what could we have done better and let's do it next time. That's it, because I, I suppose really in rugby as well, I think it's it's always something that has been in, in rugby, but, you know, it wasn't highlighted really as much up until a couple of years ago is concussion. And, you know, I, I think there's a lot of, uh, it, it is um, good to make players, coaches, supporters and everyone kind of aware of concussion and the dangers of concussion and what can cause it. 
um, because and also I think that the huge advantage not only about raising more awareness of concussion, but also the fact now that they've brought in they've brought in now a thing called like a return to play practice. You know where they have they have to go through certain player a player with concussion they have to go through certain protocols before they're allowed to go back playing. And I think that's that's something that was definitely needed. And I I think it's kind of more called out in rugby than in, we say, the likes of other sports like hurl, like hurling and Gaelic and soccer. And uh, I think maybe, I think it's brought in in soccer now where the, there has to be a return to play protocol as well. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I think it was a case of years ago, there wasn't as much awareness about concussion. So um, less people were diagnosed with uh, having a concussion, you know, because they didn't know what it was. But nowadays, it's very easily spotted. Um, most of the coaches in all the clubs, uh, they all understand what the signs to look out for if a player uh, looks dizzy, to look off, checking them. Um, yeah, and it's a case of if the referee or the um, or the coach says, OK, I, th- I think you're done here, you have to come off and you have to take care of yourself. Physically, if you get a concussion and you get another bad bang, uh, it's very, very dangerous. Um, the IRFU have a lot of information about concussions on their website. Um, I think it's, it's IRFU.ie. Uh, um, I know clubs have cards of resources and they have little booklets that are handed out to coaches with the steps of recovery and how to spot a concussion. So the IRFU, they're really doing their best to try and knock it out. Um, you see that in France, Tragically, there's been a few deaths uh, in regards to the French rugby uh, union rules where they haven't um, lowered the tackling um, area. So I think they actually went through a phase trial there of having youth rugby where they they couldn't tackle above the waist because that's how serious it got. Um, I think it was only about three or four years ago, a young man, he was playing under 20s, he sadly lost his life. but it just highlights the fact that it's so important to take care of yourself, or, or yourself and your uh, physical injuries are nothing to be uh, or to bat an eyelid at, you know. And I think really at, um, at an international level, even though there's all these rules, I think there are certain players or certain countries that have a certain style of play that even though you're not supposed to do it for health and safety reasons in for certain tackles and with the rule changes, People still don't. People, players don't always stay within the rules, and uh, you know we've seen that with a number. I think you know a few South African players. You know, in the, some of the some of their matches, um, you know, it's kind of <laughs> it's outside the laws of the game, and uh, you know it, it is very dangerous. Absolutely, yeah. Like the problem with international rugby is there's a lot of cameras, but they don't pick up everything. You know, yeah. Uh, the, the quality of players are there. They're unbelievable quality, but they're not uh, shy to hit in a little jab here and there, you know, into little uh, stomp in the ruck. Uh, You can see it, like, you you often see after a match, it could be, um, look at the last Ireland and England match. Ennis Gange was uh, punching and shouldering Brian Sexton in the head, and nothing was done about it. Yeah. You know, but on the day, I think referees are very, very scared to even go near it because if it's a controversial uh, topic, it could damage their career as a referee. Um, but yeah, I think international quality, the style of play, especially in South Africa, 
it's very physical. I know the way it works in South Africa is unlike here where we're brought in with touch rugby and tag rugby to start off and then start breeding in the physicality. In South Africa, once you're five years old, you're playing full contact. It's kicking, just doesn't matter. Even nowadays, it, it, when, we, when we train, we're told not to kick, you know, because we need to focus on our heads up rugby. No, but they play full on from the age of five. Um, and that's why they're so physical. Like, you see how physical South Africa are, and you see the, the players are breeding out. They're top quality players. You could even at the bit, Chesson Kobe, Sia uh, Khaleesi, they're all absolute monsters of men who will put you back um, but with their bare hands, you know. Yeah. They wouldn't even need to tackle you. Um, that's how physical Peter Stetsitoid is. He got Player of the World Cup, Player of the Year as well. Um, fantastic players, but you definitely, you'd, you'd have to look at the rules and understand where they're, they're going wrong because... I know injury is such a big part of South African rugby. That's it. And I suppose really lo- looking at um, the future for Ireland now, I suppose, you, you know, the World Cup isn't too far away now. And we haven't had the best of seasons this season or last season. But wh- what are the areas or where are the areas do you think that, like, Ireland need to improve? Is it kind of tactically? Is it personnel-wise? Is it skill-wise? Because I suppose when it comes around to... When it comes round to the World Cup, we need to be prepared if if there's aspirations of kind of, you know, making it out of the group stages and you know we never got past the the quarter final stage. So, you know, where where do we need to improve to kind of get beyond where the normal, where where, where we normally get as far as in the World Cup? I think that we need to build a brand. Like you look at Joe Schmidt, and Joe Schmidt had very structured play with very. Uh, very detailed, and everyone had to be the exact spot. I know Josh Finn had a photographic memory, and he'd, he'd tell if you're off, you know. Uh, but Andy Farrell, he's not blessed with that. Yeah. And you see, in the uh, the Autumn Internationals there last year, you had um, offloads on the inside and people running hard lines. Um, but you don't see that in Six Nations, you know. Like, fair enough, we were able to beat England, but. England isn't the only game we're playing in the Six Nations. You know, we're, we seem to be playing a different style of rugby, a different brand of rugby every time we play a different team. Yeah. Whereas if you look at the likes of, of New Zealand, you know what New Zealand are going to bring. And they do it very well because that's, that's who they are. It's a case of in New Zealand where, okay, you score one try, we score two. Or over here, it's a case of, okay, we're playing England. This is how we're going to play. And you change the entire system. Okay, we're playing Italy. We can be more free change the entire system again. Yeah. Whereas there's no there seems to be freedom on some match days and no freedom on the other. And I think that's a it's a mental thing for the players as well. Like they're absolutely capable of getting in behind the line and um popping the ball up on the inside to Van der Fleer running on the inside or uh Conan on the outside, you know. But they don't seem to be doing it. So I think this is where the teams now start to prepare for the World Cup. The line store is over, and this is the next stage. So they really need to build a brand and know what they're playing before they actually go out and play it. And, as, and from your own point of view, like I know you're you're involved in other aspects of rugby as well, off the pitch, and uh, you know it's it's kind of that that's good for your own, own development as well, and. Uh, I suppose looking at for looking at your looking at your own kind of you say down the line, 
has co- is coaching maybe something that, that, that appeals to you or do you think you'll be doing other like I know it's still a good bit away but it's just kind of the, uh, another aspect to, to um, what you want to do as well as a, as a player and as a person um, you know rugby but I drink, eat sleep and breathe you know yeah um, like if, if, I, if I can coach you know playing is my number one priority and I'd love to one day you know play with a professional team um, but coaching, absolutely, definitely, you know. Um, I was asked there to go back and give a hand with my former uh, school team. So I'm going to try my best to head back there and at some community college and give them a hand. Um, I did my Gotchka President's Award. I was in Buccaneers. I was coaching the under-10 uh, Buccaneers team. You know, it's so interesting to see the talent coming up. You know, I know they're only 9 and 10 years old, but they, they're faster than I am, you know. Coaching methods have, have changed over the years as well, haven't they? They have, yeah. Even <coughs> the case of, okay, well, this is the game, this is how you play it. Hmm. Whereas nowadays, it's okay, well, we're playing, for example, we're playing Gaul Legion. Okay, we know how they play. This is, how we have, this is what we have to do to uh, counteract that. And you see that it's starting from under 13 level, you know. Yeah. It's um, it's not just a thing where okay, you're you're under 18, you're under 20s. This is serious rugby now. This is how you have to play. It's it's always been a case of even on 13s under 14s, where okay, this is a good team. This is how they're going to play. We know that. This is how we're going to beat them. And that that that's kind of what you need. I think nowadays there's kind of like in soccer with the FAI, there's there's more of like a pathway of progression which is more so now over the last couple of years than maybe we say when you started out playing. Absolutely. You know, like when I started out playing originally when I was very young, there was no academy. Um, you know, it, it was, okay, you're a good enough player, you're up. Um, you look at, at the likes of Jamie Heathcliff. He, he never got into an academy, but he's an iconic player. You know, he, um, he was playing in UCD, but he stopped playing because... He wanted to focus on his studies, but once he kept playing, it was there waiting for him. You know, but nowadays, you have people who are under 14 starting up in the city, um, East Connacht province or Northern Connacht province. And then the best of the bunch are picked then for the Connacht team, and the best of those bunch are picked for the academy, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so to have people, or to have players there developing <laughs> alongside them, and they watch your development from day one, and that's the key uh, to development of, of players in the country. That's what they have to do in New Zealand, Australia, and that's why they're so good down there. Well, thanks very much for uh, taking the time out to do the interview, uh, the interview with us this week. And uh, we might make, uh, we might do kind of regular interviews and see how, how you're getting on with Buccaneers because uh, the rugby season is starting soon as well. So it'll be nice to get reports from Buccaneers. Absolutely, yeah, that's no problem. Thanks for the No problem. Listen, thanks very much, Cameron. And that was Cameron Brill from Buccaneers Rugby Club.